Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. I'm Neil Zacharias, and you're listening to Eat for the Planet. On this show, we try to answer the question, how can we eat in a way that nourishes us without starving the planet? The show features conversations with food industry leaders, health and sustainability experts, as well as entrepreneurs and creative minds who are redefining the future of food. In today's episode, I speak with Gaurav Makin, founder and CEO of Milk Guys. What's Milk Guys? It's an online grocery store where you can find the vegan version of everything. They have thousands of the best vegan products on the market, including the largest selection of vegan cheeses in the United States and unique products you can't find anywhere else. Milk Guys ship across the continental US, so you can try them whether you live in a big city or a small town. In this conversation, we talk about Gaurav's background working at Amazon and Instacart and how and why he launched Milk Guys. We go deep into the challenges of building and running an e-commerce platform and why the plant-based food space needs one now. We also talk about how plant-based brands need to explore online distribution and how Milk Guys help them solve that problem. Gaurav is obsessed with serving the needs of the companies that sell via Milk Guys. And we discuss some great stories of how brands have used the platform to improve their products, understand their customer base, and of course, increase distribution and reach. But we go beyond e-commerce and milk guys and talk about why the current fragmented food manufacturing and distribution system is broken and in desperate need of reinvention. This is especially important because the plant-based foods industry is growing fast, with several new food startups being launched every month that are creating products that people want to eat. If you want to give these new startups the best chance of succeeding, they're going to need alternative distribution mechanisms and out-of-the-box thinking that can propel their businesses and the plant-based food movement into the future. I've really enjoyed getting to know more about Milk Guys and why the challenge they are taking on is an important and timely one. If you are even remotely interested in eating vegan or the plant-based foods industry and what the future of food will look like, I think you'll want to listen to the entire episode. Gora from Milk Guys, thank you for joining us on the Eat for the Planet podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm going to tell you a story, Gaurav. There was This was about, um, I think it was f- six years ago, five, six years ago, when I was, um, I think it was six years ago, I was launching my first uh, business in this space. Uh, it was a media platform, which I'm no longer running. And the initial plan, as I wrote out in, in, a, in a deck, I didn't have a fancy business plan, but it was... This, this idea that plant-based food was going to be um, the future, um, partly because I believed so, and the mm-hmm. part of it is that I really wanted it to be so. So uh, the whole idea was was going to be a media platform, and then two years into that, I was going to launch e-commerce. Nice. Uh, because it kind of made sense. We need to uh, uh, give brands in the space 
more opportunities to distribute their products and it seemed like online was it made sense the timing was right um except the problem was i knew nothing about e-commerce and, <laughs> and how to actually run an e-commerce operation and then i heard that um i think it was amazon who had acquired I mean, obviously it was amazon acquired vine.com v-i-n-e.com do you remember vine.com they had acquired it or relaunched it after acquiring it. It was supposed to be an e-commerce website for uh, eco-friendly products and foods. Um, Interesting. Like, Never heard of them. Yeah. So, and I, when the moment I heard about that, I shelved all my plans to do e-commerce <laughs> because I was like, this is going to be a losing battle and uh, I might as well just focus on media. So, so long story short, that's how I've uh, stuck with media. I stuck with the things I'm... I think I, I knew best, and but I was right. The plant base was going to be big. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm glad you were right about that. <laughs> At least I was right about the first part, and I'm glad I've stuck with this space for the last few years. But unlike me, you've had the courage to go ahead and launch an e-commerce uh, e platform focused on the plant-based space. Um, first and foremost, what's your background? What gave you the, the courage to even attempt something so foolish? Yeah. Um, great question. I actually am an engineer by trade. Uh, I started my career at Amazon. Okay. I, I spent four years there. Um, so I, I'm lucky that I got to learn a lot about e-commerce and how consumers are thinking. Um, then I got lucky a second time. Um, I really loved Whole Foods as a grocery store and I would right after work from Amazon, go to Whole Foods every single day and just buy fresh food. Um, and, and one day I just started seeing all of these uh, ads for this company called Instacart mm -hmm. uh, and one hour delivery. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I really find Whole Foods exciting. And I really want to join a startup. And this startup's doing deliveries from Whole Foods, so they should be really cool. So I should apply. And, and I did. And I moved to San Francisco. Um, at Instacart, I was supposed to work on something very uh, shopper focused, so tools. Uh, and then I got lucky a second time by getting involved with the catalog team. So I got hired as a product manager for Instacart's catalog team. Uh, and that's the team that's really like figuring out what product data there is and what customers are searching for and what images work and what pricing works. And everything you could learn about the grocery space truly was in that team. And I was very fortunate to learn that. Um, one of the biggest insights I had from there was all of these brands are coming up. And no one's really helping them. There are no mm -hmm. resources for them. There's no, like, at that point, I used to call it, like, AWS for brands. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no tools available to them. Um, so I started a, uh, a blog interviewing CPG founders uh, just to understand what kind of uh, mm -hmm. challenges they were going through. And, and I felt that I was learning so much about what I didn't know that I just had to go build a CPG. Um, so I left Instacart. And I started my own CPG. Um, I do not advise this. <laughs> uh, do not advise starting a CPG or leaving Instacart? Uh, Both. <laughs> do not leave Instacart to build a CPG because you think that CPG is about to be really big. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm like a product manager. I'm an engineer. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking like uh, it was a coconut chutney dip. And there's a whole story we can get into. Um, but I was like, man, if I just made the best coconut chutney dip, people would really want it. Mm. So the packaging itself said, ratemychutney.com. I see. <laughs> and I would give out samples and be like, hey, can you go rate it so I can make it better? 
zero hits. <laughs> um, so I'm like this product manager trying to make a product better. Mm. When in reality, uh, if you're building a CPG, it's truly about distribution, marketing, connecting with the consumer. All things I didn't know anything mm -hmm. about. Um, so I decided not to continue that project, uh, even though I, I, I got into a few retailers. Um, but but that that's actually the start of the story of how we are here. Mm. Um, and and what happened was, you know, I'm learning about this marketing stuff, and I'm trying to call up everyone I can and trying to get advice. And this one person says, oh, your product doesn't have any uh, animal products in it. You should definitely put vegan on it. And I'm like, what's this term vegan? Why does it matter? It's like, just don't worry about it. It's like, it's blowing up. And I'm like, cool. And, um, and that was like the first time when I started thinking about like, what is this term? And that accelerated my education about why is it important? What's going on? Like before that, I wasn't thinking about the impact our food has on the planet or the fact that we're hurting animals and we're causing all of this suffering, not to mention just health benefits of eating non-animal uh, food. So I was like, okay, I don't know if I can leave, stop eating animal products, but I can at least work in that direction. Uh, but what do I do, right? Like, what do I do? What burger do I buy? What, what food is vegan? What food isn't vegan? Uh, and that part was really hard mm -hmm. as a, as a, as a consumer. Um, so then, then, then I embarked on this other project. I tried to create like a product hunt or Yelp mm. for vegan products. And my hope there was that if I just put all the products that I can find that are vegan online and get people to put these on and rate them, I'll know what to eat. Um, and then I took this to, um, I took this to a, a vegan meetup, a vegan and tech uh, meetup, and I showed it to everyone. And they're like, "You're showing us all of this cool food. We just want to buy it." <laughs> And, and, and there was a decision point there where because I'd been at Instacart, I could have been like, oh, let me just try to tell you where to find these products online. But I knew that was never going to be the best experience possible. Uh, and at the same time, I wanted to start getting these products for myself because I was leaning more and more towards a plant-based diet. Um, and I was like, what if there was just like a vegan grocery store that had all these brands in one place and all the food you want? And you don't have to read these labels. Mm. That's like the biggest part. Is like even if you're encouraged to want to eat plant-based, label reading is hard. Like milk and egg and animal products will sneak into products like mm -hmm. in ways that you can't think of. Like you'll pick up a bottle of water, it'll be like may contain traces of milk. Right. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that, well, you pick up non-dairy cheese and it sometimes has uh, casein in it. Right. Like, <laughs> and, and it's just, it, it, it's so, it's so hard. And like, if you're not motivated enough, um, you're, you're gonna keep making choices that are just easier for you. Mm -hmm. Um, so we started that and then we started working with brands and, you know, something really phenomenal started happening. Um, people from across the world, not just the United States, across the world would message and be like you have this product this is so awesome i can't wait till a service like yours exists where i live hmm. and the other thing that was happening was all of these wonderful brands like just had i think uh just launched their egg in like a, a restaurant setting and stuff and, and all of these wonderful products were coming and all of these brands were facing the same problem if you go through their instagrams like hey i love your product i want your product where do right. i get it how do i get it and we're like, man, we really just got to do something about this. So we, we transitioned from being this like uh, delivery company to a shipping company so that we can get these 
amazing products to all the people across the country. Uh, and, and, you know, that's like the, the long, short version of like mm-hmm. how we got to where we are. Wow. So I can, I can, I, I, there's a lot of uh, things that you mentioned that I, I can relate to. I, I feel like I've had that similar experience, especially in the first few years of, um, of uh, changing my diet and, and trying to be plant-based. Um, actually, even before that, I remember always walking into health food stores or even Whole Foods for that matter and certain aisles I just wouldn't know what half the stuff was yeah it looked all kind of cool I didn't know if it was good for me if it was just uh, I don't know marketing and I couldn't distinguish which one type of grain was better than the other mm-hmm. and it I guess in some ways it was um it was the future calling me. I knew in some ways I was going to be involved in the space and <laughs> eventually know everything about everything yeah. almost. Um, but it was confusing. And to an everyday shopper who's who's trying to figure out what to buy for themselves or their family. It's overwhelming. It, it is pretty it is overwhelming, overwhelming and there's no easy... And being a, having worked in media and technology most of my... All of my career actually, bef- actually until now in some ways... Um, I always was thinking there has to be an easier way. And I'd looked up, there used to be some product guides online, but nothing specific to plant-based. And you wouldn't even be able to, you know, quickly un- get read reviews of other products or you wouldn't know if other people like it. It's all started to change now, of course, in the last few years. But being an all plant-based e-commerce platform, there's some of them have existed in the past. I wouldn't... I'm, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to offend anyone, but they weren't the greatest. <laughs> they weren't the greatest. They were the in first. Terms of, they were the first versions. Yeah, they weren't the greatest in terms of uh, availability of products, in terms of branding, in terms of functionality, searchability, all the things that make the internet uh, a gl- great platform. Is if you do it right, if you make it seamless and easy for someone to navigate. So, I could totally see that there was a need for this, but, but you know, again, it seems like you kind of didn't wake up one day and said I was going to be the plant-based e-commerce platform. It seemed like you sort of stumbled into, or eventually the path that you were on led you to this idea. The the, the path that led us on, and, and mostly was, um, you know, it started as a personal journey, but very mm-hmm. quickly it became a responsibility, if you may, right? As, as you meet more and more people who are like, oh, wow, I really want this. We've gotten messages from, like, folks who live in the middle of, let's say, Arkansas, mm. Uh, and the nearest grocery store is 50 miles. Or even if there's a grocery store nearby, they just don't have the vegan options available. And that, like, when you when you talk to these customers and they uh, and they shower you with so much love for existing, uh, it it really ends up being a responsibility towards them. Mm-hmm. And so, what was your? I mean, you said you you kind of alluded to the fact that you yourself are going through a personal diet journey transformation. Has that played a big role in in you? being driven by this mission is is that now how you live and and is that what drives you or is this now just the business you're running no the it, it, we're a very very mission driven okay. business um the 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 understanding the day that you understand or realize that uh you are causing suffering or you are treating the planet in a way that is not uh, acceptable and is impact going to impact future generations. I think that day, um, at least for me, and I think for a lot of other people, your life's purpose kind of becomes centered around that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and and for us, it's it's very much like the you know you're here at our office. 
um, everyone on the team is very driven by a better planet, mm -hmm. by a better world, by less suffering, by more equality, by more, um, uh, what would you call it? Like more sustainability. Uh, and, and that's kind of what drives us and less the business. I think, uh, I think someone has to be really, really crazy to, um, want to build a business in groceries and you just need to have a higher purpose that you want to serve. <laughs> that, that, that seems about right. Um, before we get further on, I do want to touch on this cause I'm sure some people have this question in the mind. I, I have it for sure. Why milk guys? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for asking that question. Um, you know, the, 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 the first version of this website was actually built, uh, by myself sitting in like my closet on my computer and, uh, and, and previously the, the product hunt, um, that I'd built was basically around milk. It was, how do we get M Y L K all the milks listed on the website? So that was like the first aspect of it that we were just like playing around with that. Um, then it was like, I'm about to build a grocery company and I want this to be very personal to the, to the people I serve. Uh, and, and I grew up in India, and I was mm -hmm. always very fascinated by this concept of a milkman, both in India and, and in America, uh, where this, like, really, like, nice dude comes in in the morning, and it's like, <laughs> hey, here you go. Here's your milk for the day, but I'm also going to take these containers back and just mm -hmm. have a conversation with you. You have such, a, um, you have such like, a, a personal relationship with them. Um, so I was like, I want that personal relationship, like something... Uh, I experienced while working at Instacart was that we were not able to create that personal touch with the customer. So that was really important. Uh, so the milkman was an inspiration for it. Mm. Uh, initially we were called milkguy.com. Um, and then we changed it to milk guys. And, and I was just, I was just that dude. I was like, I'll be like the future of groceries, but I'll be, mm -hmm. I'm like a milkman cause I want that personal touch. Um, but I'm not like a milkman. I'm like a, just a dude. So like milk guy. Um, so, so that's the genesis of it. But, um, the, the, the last piece of this came together when, uh, at the same time as also understanding, uh, waste management. And, and the biggest thing that clicked in my mind was the answer to waste management is not recycle. It is reuse. Mm. And for us, the biggest thing is just like the milkman, we want to be this company that provides you all your food in reusable packaging down to the individual product. We want to work with the brands at some point in the future and just create these reusable things. And then we're truly like that, mm. that milkman who's very personal, comes to your home, builds a personal relationship, and also like takes back the old container so we're not creating waste. Right. Oh, that's such a fascinating... I mean, I... I, I... I think in the back of my mind, I thought this may be the reason, but it, it just makes it, it so it's e-commerce that's personalized. It's bringing back that what was good about, uh, the, you know, milk guys, not just, I, I know it, it, it was in India, but it also was here at some yep. point in America, people would have their milk delivered and that personal touch. And then you add the, the almost zero waste aspect to yeah. it. Uh, I guess you can envision a day where, where brands, even though they do retail distribution and they package their products, may have versions of them that are shipped in a box that you supply and that gets returned by the customer and, and for you to supply. Whether we do it or someone else does it, that mm -hmm. is the most responsible thing to do. And we'll see brands move in that direction. Right. So you've been now um, 
so let's just talk a little bit about how the company got started and and where you are on the journey as as an entrepreneur. Um, I know you got through Y Combinator and and you can talk about that as much as you want to, but um, it's f weirdly we've had a few startups who've been through Y Combinator who've recently been on the podcast. Um, and Y Combinator traditionally never took food companies. So uh -huh. that's, and you're not traditionally actually a food company. You, you're a tech company, I guess. Right. Um, well, how did that, how was that experience? Any, any big things that stand out to you as, um, as, as, you know, big learnings and lessons that you learned from that, that experience? Um, I think one of the, the biggest things YC will teach you is to fail fast. Mm. Um, so that, that's been our motto is how do we learn? How do we go faster? Uh, the other piece, which we luckily got from our, uh, from my like past experiences at Amazon and Instacart, but also from YC is just this, uh, obsession with the customer that just has to be every single thing we do we're thinking about like how is this going to impact the consumer today how is this going to impact the consumer in the long term so that's that's something that yc reminds you of um most importantly i think yc is like a boot camp hmm. and it it makes you go really fast and and, and it just it, it makes you hold yourself up to a mirror and say we want to do this and, and i believe most yc companies do it because they have a bigger purpose that they want to serve uh, I, I think the ideas of like uh, I just want to run a business is not good enough. Mm. Uh, once you go through a boot camp like YC, so what do you think in their point of view? I'm sure they've, you, I'm sure you asked them and you've gotten some feedback. Why did they find Milk Guys interesting? Absolutely. Um, so because I think it's it's two reasons why it's important. One is of course to know why Milk Guys is important and interesting, but the second is. You know, even five years ago, the idea of an all plant-based, all vegan online grocery store, a lot of investors, uh, and I talked to some of them, yeah. thought that would be a crazy idea to do and no one would want to buy any of those products. Absolutely. What has changed in the last few years? Um, I think uh, YC is really good at understanding this trend of niche markets that can mm. suddenly become really big and they know how to identify them early. Uh, and we were able to bring compelling data for that to say, hey, look, like we're we're on the verge of this. Like everything is moving in this direction that says plant-based and vegan and sustainable foods are the future. Um, that coupled with the fact that uh, we had experience at a company like Instacart was really compelling. But the most important thing was that they could see the seed of a market before anyone else could mm. uh, and, and see that it's just going to be really big. Yeah, because for me, all of these these signs, when I started to hear that certain CPG startups as well as you got into YC, and it's all starting to happen in the last two years, it's just further data points to prove that we're, this, this is finally happening. And when yeah. I say this is happening, it's that people like me who've been, and others who've been wishing and hoping that the plant-based would, would eventually have this, this moment, that moment is now. That moment is now. And so, you know, it makes what you're doing even more relevant because you have uh, another thing I've noticed a lot is we have tons of new brands launching. Um, you know, it seems like every other week someone's raising uh, a seed round almost to a million, sometimes way more for the launch of, of another new plant-based product in another little category. Not all of them burgers and meats and cheeses necessarily. And I lately have found myself questioning... Um, 
whether it's always a good thing that we have so many new companies entering into the space and getting so much funding is because um, in my years of talking to companies in the space, I also have an understanding that scaling those businesses and achieving national and maybe down the line international distribution is firstly not an easy thing. And secondly, even if you achieve, even if you get the distribution, then you've got to meet the demand. And so then manufacture, so it's this endless balance between, oh, I need distribution, but I need to ramp up manufacturing. I can't ramp up manufacturing until I have distribution. And when you have distribution, it's too late and you don't have enough right. um, uh, scale to, to, man, to supply. Um, so I think the timing of your you entering into this space is, is even more interesting. Is that a big factor in terms of, um, of why brands work for you? So let's, let's first start with maybe what is the value proposition for the brands who work with you and why should they work with Milk Guys and why do they work with Milk Guys versus just you know Amazon or launching their own e-commerce platform, which some of them have done? Uh, I'm so glad you asked that question. I, I think uh, a very well-known but not often said truth is that most brands don't succeed. And I believe that there are very qualified, competent people behind these brands, but often they're trying to do too many things, right? Like just as you mentioned, you have to worry about distribution. You have to worry about manufacturing and manufacturing is definitely about quality as well. You have to educate the consumer on your product. Uh, sometimes if you have a very unique product, then you have to educate the consumer on why your product should exist. Uh, and then you also have to get the consumer to taste your product. All of these things that you're doing. And then you go convince one retailer. And then you are in one zip code. Mm. But we live in the age of the internet, right? Like brands are connecting with consumers on Instagram. I built a, the CPG product I built was a coconut chutney dip. I think there are enough Indian people across the United States that I could have built a successful business serving them. I did not have national distribution available. The path I would have had to take is convince a Whole Foods, the Holy Grail at that point, um, to have my product and then somehow be able to move enough of my product so that some other product doesn't come replace it because I have such limited shelf space. Mm -hmm. While doing all of these other things that I just talked about, and I think that's the difference is you're not competing for shelf space when you go online. You are focusing on just two things that you should focus on as a business. You should focus on your customer. You have to build that relationship with the customer. You have to understand what the customer wants. And the second thing you need to do is you need to make a quality product. You need to make sure that your product is always stellar and you have to pay so much attention to that. Let distribution be someone else's problem, right? That's why online is great. I can have a customer here today in San Francisco. I could have a customer in LA. I could have a customer in New York. And that's great. That's what I want. I don't need to just find all my customers in one zip code. That, that's just not how it works. That consumer preferences are different. You may like some different foods than I do, even if you shop at the same grocery store. Doesn't mean that one of our needs is better than the others, right? Um, so, so going back to, um, to, to brands and what their strategy should be or why they should work with milk guys or not, uh, it, it may not be milk guys, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I'm obviously biased towards milk guys, but as a brand, the thing that I preach is that a brand should really focus on the customer and really focus on a quality product. Uh, once, once you have that opportunity or once you believe that, uh, you have a few options. You can do online yourself. You can work with uh, Amazon or other companies. 
uh, and you can work with milk guys, right? If you were to do it yourself, you're going to have to run your own operations. Uh, you're going to have to ship product really well. We, we ship refrigerated, frozen, dry products. Uh, and then you're going to have to convince customers to only buy your product. Like, let's say I'm selling a, a dip uh, and the dip costs $6. Uh, the economics only work at like mm. closer to a hundred dollars. So I'm going to tell you to buy at least 15 of my dips and, uh, and then I'm also going to have to charge you sh shipping. Mm -hmm. But my volume is initially just not going to be there where I can offer uh, economies of scale pricing to you. So you as a consumer will never want it. And I'm never going to get out of that loop. Obviously there are brands that have figured this out, but it's just so much harder and you're reinventing the wheel again and again that you don't have to. Um, coming to the point of other retailers, there's just no other e-commerce retailer that is building for the brands from the ground up. The amount of data that we provide brands, mm -hmm. the amount of support that we provide brands, the way we give them to communicate with consumers, like consumers have questions about your product. Uh, you have the ability to see what those questions are, answer those questions. Consumers have feedback about your product. You can see that. So we're really in the business of like helping a brand uh, and my experience shows that most companies are not doing that. Uh, and that is not even to mention that your target audience as a brand is here. Hmm. Right. Interesting. Well, no, all of that very well said. Um, I I also think um, the, the last point which you mentioned, which is um, data, is, is so crucial. Um, and I, it does bring up the question is, and so, so I'm sure you see, and maybe it's a little early, but you have been around for for some time now, is you're able to see trends in some ways before most others and maybe act on it quicker than most other retailers would. I mean, every big retail chain has their data and insights teams. Um, some, some of them probably five times the size of your entire team just sitting down and analyzing what's yeah. working and what's yep. not. Um, and so you provide that data back to customers regarding their own products and to the, to the brands uh, we, we do we, we're always thinking about what, what drives us mm -hmm. is how do we make our brand partners successful that is always front and center for us uh, we obviously have to balance it by, with how do we give the best consumer experience yeah. uh, but we're always thinking about that and and I can say this very confidently that till today no one has had that thinking Everyone has always been, how do we use these brands to get sales, lock in the consumer, forget the brand. They're not mm -hmm. building tools for the brand. They don't care about the brands. They, they treat brands as commodities. Mm -hmm. We're not doing that. Mm. So you have no, I mean, maybe too early, but, you know, the typical model, what everyone says they're not going to do it, but then they do it. They see what works and then they white label the same products or similar products. Uh, and offer themselves, is that something Milk Guys is doing, considering doing? Because that usually then leaves, you know, it ends up outpricing the the brands who you've built your platforms on. I, uh, th th this is a great question. <laughs> and, and the reason it's so great is because um, the world has evolved mm. and some of these companies haven't. One of, the, one of the things we talked about earlier is it is incredibly difficult to scale up manufacturing. The person who cares the most about quality of food is the food maker and the brand. Mm. If a retailer slaps their label on something, they don't actually care about the quality as much, ever as much as a brand would, right? I think there are more innovative ways that we're going to see 
brands and retailers work together because there are two parties to the equation, right? Yep. Uh, and, and you want to be successful and you want both the parties to be successful. I think we're going to see a future where brands and retailers collab to create unique flavors, unique SKUs, um, you know, seasonal items, mm-hmm. limit ti- limited time items uh, that will help serve the exact same purposes that a white label or private label does mm. without ever compromising that relationship. Mm. That's what's more interesting, right? Like you have to build a com- you you really have to build a company in today's world that is thinking about all of its stakeholders with the utmost requests, with the utmost like opportunity to serve them well. Yeah. Only then are you going to be able to build the next big company. Right. And, you know, we can obviously take this conversation in so many different places because I just find um, the untapped potential in e-commerce to be fascinating. It's because it's it seems like it, sh- it, it, it should have been easier, especially in groceries. Um, but it has been so hard. I mean, there's only been a few success stories. And it's usually the first is always Amazon. And then it's like, yeah, maybe one or two others you can probably point to. Um, but, you know, putting that aside for the moment, you know, what's interesting that the fact that you are hyper-focused on vegan, plant-based products is, um, is as I said earlier, as we have all these new companies launching um, amazing tasting products. Yeah. The previous, maybe a few years ago, the only uh, sort of platform as such that they would have found to have people try their products is to go and... Uh, buy a, a, a little booth at a veg fest locally somewhere uh-huh. and then start doing that across the countries and uh, across the country. And many brands actually did start out that way uh, until they ended up meeting buyers and distributors and, and retailers and, you know, the rest of is history and now they're national brands. Uh, it doesn't have to be that way. There maybe is a shorter, you know, uh, a way to hack the system, so to speak, um, so what has your experience been with some of the brands that you work with? Any, any interesting stories of brands that have either, um, launched first on milk guys and tested out a product or others who were just dabbling in e-commerce on their own tiny little website with no results, uh, and have suddenly seen, um, being able to get user feedback or being able to understand which parts of the country there is more demand of their, for their product, so they can use that as a data point to maybe get into a retailer in that location. There's so many ways to go about it. And you're allowing them now with this platform, a channel into this, uh, into the insights that they've always in some ways been craving and being able to get those products into the households and of course, into the mouths of people that they, they want to get to. So any stories you can share that, that have yeah. worked from a, from a CPG brand standpoint so far? Absolutely. Um, I, I, I want to be careful that I don't uh, use names for brands, but we have an example of a San Francisco brand um, that had, has the most amazing truffle brie cheese. And they were local makers, and you can find them at any of the grocery stores. Uh, and they, they launched with us when we were doing delivery in San Francisco. Now we only ship nationally. Um, and, and the day we became national, all of their customers that, that were following them on Instagram that, that had like learned about their story for so long were suddenly like so delighted and became um, excited, placed huge orders. Uh, and, and we learned something very important about the product. We learned about the shelf life of the product just not being at the right place, right? So we were able to take that back to the brand and say, hey, the shelf life's not working out. What do we do? How do we change this? So they were able to reformulate it. 
and now we were able to like get this product to so many more people for a lot longer duration. Um, another brand um, that started now, now I think they uh, they're in about like 15 or so um, grocers across the country, like independent grocers. Uh, initially, when they started, they uh, they launched as a liquid product, like a liquid egg product. Uh, but now their product is frozen, mm. and that was part of the the feedback process of like, hey, we can ship the product frozen. It, it will arrive better. Uh, we need better packaging, things like that. So, so it's not just only about the food. It's also mm. about the packaging. It's also like, what state can the food live in? Can it be frozen? Can it not be frozen? It's also understanding how consumers are using it, and we bring all of this feedback back to the brands. Um, and then you all occasionally have this, this brand I will talk about because I really love. I I love all our brands. Um, the Butcher Sun out in East Bay. It's a restaurant, mm. and and they have a little market where they make a chicken pot pie and they serve that and they sell their deli meats and their deli cheeses. Uh, and we partnered with them and they got people from all across the country wanting their products because they come and visit and eat their products. They're so blown away. And now we give this brand this opportunity to have their product available nationally. Mm. And then we keep trying different things. We try a chicken pot pie, a shepherd pie, and we'll, we'll just see what's doing well and then we'll do more of that. Interesting. So it doesn't always have to be for a CPG brand. It can also be for someone for yeah, as you said, a, a restaurant um, that is that is seeing success with a product or two has now an additional channel of distribution. Because you know that's been a classic story. When I used to live in New York, there'd been a few restaurants that had been successful enough that they'd open a few different locations, all still independently owned. And they had some favorite products and, you know, they were all thinking in their, uh, watching the success and the growth of their businesses, thinking the next step was CPG, except the scary part about CPG is that it is scary and it, it involves scary. jumping. It's in, in some ways, it's like me thinking, because I understand media and, and, and tech, I can do e-commerce. Yeah. Uh, it's not the same thing at all. It's It's a completely new world. But if there was some way to just extend one arm into that without you necessarily doing the heavy lifting, um, it, it can really open up possibilities to, the, especially because there's so many, and I'm seeing this now that I live in LA, there's so many local brands and there's so many local, yeah. uh, really innovative, they usually will, will, will exhibit at these festivals and a few other places where they're making their interesting products. With some small tweaks here and there, they could go national now do they need to be a big cpg brand probably not but they can at least test the water so i totally see why why all of that's working really well for most of your brands any reason brands don't work with you like what what would be the what what is it because they're they already are doing e-commerce and are national or international and they see no additional value like I, I'm, I'm, I can't think of one, but I'm sure you've had experiences. We're yet to see a brand that doesn't <laughs> want to work with us. Okay. Like uh, we have a, you know, we're, we're a small team. We're growing really fast. Uh, we have a backlog of brands that want to work with mm. us and we just haven't gotten around to it. Got it. Um, but, but we do everything that a brand would want, right? Like we are a brand's best friend yeah. uh, and, and they, they see that in our work. Um, uh, we have brands refer other brands. That's like the biggest kind of compliment you can get when a brand is really happy and they're telling other brands about it. Uh, so we haven't given brands any reason so far. Yeah. And it all comes down to how, how, how well it works, right? Mm -hmm. Because if the customer experience is terrible and, um, 
it's taken them longer to get their products than it would do to maybe drive 10 miles and buy it, then it really makes no point, sense right. uh, to use milk, guys. And I'm assu- So that, I don't even want to get into that because I think it's, it's a given. If you're running an e-commerce operation, it better be seamless and efficient and you better have great customer service. Yep. Without that, you're on the wrong business, my friend. <laughs> so, and I think you know that pretty well. Um, and, 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 it's, and the last point I'll make about brands, and I don't want to hop on this, but you mentioned it is that you know you have um what's happening now with uh with with digital media and instagram is brands are able to develop these personalities and these loyal followings months sometimes even years before they have a product in the market and there's been some recent um examples of that um i guess good catch is a great example of a brand yep. that uh was exhibiting in different trade shows teasing their products for a long time and then still had didn't have anything in retail yeah. for at least a year and a half but meanwhile they they had a they had a people nationally who knew about the brand uh people following their instagram who couldn't wait to try it or had tried it once at a trade show and wanted to buy it and um and now with the help of e-commerce you have a way to short circuit that whole thing is that yeah you can Tomorrow, turn it on and make a product available nationally once you have manufacturing scaled up to a certain level, which I guess that was one of the things they were working on. Um, so I think that's really interesting is that you are able to – because what's the point of living in 2019 if you're still right. you know, beholden to this archaic uh, food uh, distribution manufacturing system that we are it's currently broken. enslaved by? You know, first, our food system is broken, and I can tell you 100 billion reasons why, which I won't bore anyone with. Just go read the book. Um, <laughs> but this, this is another layer of the food system. This isn't so much about why animal agriculture is bad. This is even if you're doing all plant-based and you just want to get your amazing vegan food into mouths of people who are hungry to eat better, we are stuck within the system that, as for many reasons that you've described and why Milk Guys works be- better, is it's slow it's clunky it is localized it is you are kind of um at the mercy of the retailers and the shelf space that they give you and if you sell out too fast you're in trouble if you don't sell you're in trouble and it's unless you know you really are a big food company with tons of of marketing budget uh, a huge amount of dollars in marketing budget you have a long hard journey ahead so uh, I do think that that there's some we we really need to start having this conversation about um, how do we just 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 make the system a lot more efficient than it is today, and with the help of 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 the internet and e-commerce, hopefully it done right, it can it can be one way to do it. It, it really can. Um, you know, going back to this thing of how do how do you help more and more brands succeed, right? Um, something that we talk about a lot in tech is this this phase of like you have early adopters and then like you kind of really capitalize on your early adopters and then go from there uh, to to finally be a mainstream company. In food, that concept doesn't exist because you're put on that shelf that you have to compete with mainstream brands. You have to cons- like compete for the same dollars uh, from the same mix of customers. And in groceries, what really has won so far is like the generics. Like if this product speaks to 80% of the audience, then maybe it has a chance of succeeding. Whereas if you're building a new food company, if you had a way to get to your early adopters first, 
wow, that, that, mm-hmm. that'd be incredible because like now you make a small batch of your product and enough people buy it. Then you make a bigger batch of product and more people buy it. Mm-hmm. And now you have a revenue stream going. And now you have confidence in what you're doing. Now you can get feedback on your product. And now you just like not had to worry about how am I going to shelve retailer one and then retailer two and then retailer three and drive up to all three of them and then check with them if they ran out or if they still have more or have like food waste because in retailer one only three people knew about your product versus in retailer two 10 people knew about it and now you have this like mismatch Uh, whereas all you got to do is make a small batch of your product Mm -hmm. and let everyone in the country who's a supporter of yours know that your product exists that just really gets that flywheel going that has never happened before. Mm-hmm. And you could even test limited edition products and, and, and kind of, you know, trial runs of products as well. That is the future of food mm-hmm. where brands are really uh, going after limited edition, new flavors, new products. Like today, if you talk to a brand, like especially a well-established brand, they're really afraid to come up with new kinds of products. They may come up with like a new packaging, like uh you know, and chips, the biggest uh, <laughs> the biggest thing that took me so long to learn was, like, you have, like, a family pack and you have, like, a party pack. And mm-hmm. all of, like, that's the innovation that's happening in chips versus, like, let's try a new flavor and see what happens. Or let's try, like, uh, uh, instead of potatoes, let's use something else and see what happens. And obviously, you know, chips has a lot of variety now. But imagine that being able to be done so much yeah. more quickly. And that's why change happens so slowly in food is because you need sometimes some some little, I wouldn't say little, but some, yeah, some small entrepreneur to come along and say, I'm going to do it differently. And then they shake up the entire industry yeah. and then everyone then copies them. But, you know, big food's very hesitant to do that because for them it's, where's the data point that's going to be successful? Exactly. So they they need the small startups to come in and then they can basically copy their flavors and <laughs> formats. Um, they when, won't be able to do that in the future. And hopefully, I, I think that's, that, that that is not the best way to go about doing it. And again, slows down the pace of innovation overall. Um, and so let's, the, I want to talk about the customer experience as well. And, and I know you've not been in business for that long, but long enough where you have a sense of where this is headed, I'm sure. Um, who is the typical end consumer of um, of milk guys? Like who signs up and is has been loyal and, and just loves what you guys are doing, um, both in terms of demographics and, and location? I'd love to learn more about like who is a typical milk guys customer if there is one. Typically. Yeah. Um, we we have a majority of our customers be vegans. Um, there, there are a lot of non-vegans that shop as well. And that's the most exciting thing about the plant-based revolution is mm-hmm. that everyone is willing to do their part so they don't have to be fully vegan. Um, and, and our hope is always to be able to serve everyone. Um, so so we, we tend to have a vegan customer who's maybe been vegan for anywhere from two days ago to lifelong. Um, and they just don't see that selection that we have in their store. Mm-hmm. Like, we have 100-plus vegan cheeses. Uh-huh. Tell me any retailer that's about to keep 100 vegan cheeses. They just can't. They really just cannot do that, right? So so we have the customer who really values selection, um, who really wants to support vegan businesses because, again, this is part of the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. The brands win. Uh, we're doing our part in helping the brands, but the consumer also has to do their part to help the brands, right? Like, support these new brands, Try new products uh, when you can buy from the, these upcoming brands, right? Uh, 
Um, so, so that's one, one customer. Uh, the other customer that we have is the flexitarian, uh, the one who's really understood that they want to adopt more of a plant-based diet. Uh, they are somewhere in the journey. They may not you know, fully stop uh, eating animal products, if you may, uh, and that's okay as long as they're trying. Um, so we tend to have that customer. Um, and then another attribute that we found really interesting is obviously like if you don't live in the top five cities for vegan eating, you 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 are on milk, guys. Like there's, you just don't have as great a solution possible. Um, and often, even from these cities, like we we have a lot of demand from these uh, top cities. Um, for them, what's exciting is along with the selection is this community that we've created. There's never been a grocery store that's created a community around food, and we've been able to do that. So that's another piece that uh, people are attracted to. Yeah, tell me more about the the community aspect of it because the way I I see it, you're you're easy to find, easy to navigate through grocery store online that that just makes the experience of discovering new brands uh, and finding favorites and ordering multiple and selection. Numbers. Right? Yeah, like and, and selection. There, not only are you discovering these new products, you're just not never going to be able to mm-hmm. find this kind of a selection. Yeah, right. Like that's the that's the biggest part. Is like if you're if you're plant based or vegan or had a dietary restriction, you have always experienced groceries as a second class citizen go and go and walk uh, walk up to someone who's working the aisle at a grocery store and say, "Hey, do you know if this product is vegan? They don't know what vegan is. Hey, do you happen to have any vegan cheese? I don't know what vegan cheese is right like that 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 experience is just so broken. You can go in and you can like uh, um, pick up every product. You can get really excited if you walk into a grocery store, and if you love groceries like the way I do, right? Like I want to pick up every single product and see what what it's about. But then you have to go and read every single label, and that takes a long time, right? So that kills the excitement. So so there 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 are those two value props that are really available where you get incredible selection and you get this trust of like, I know what this is about to be and it's going to be personalized to me. Um, but that's not where we stop. Like this is. This is also about education and community. Like, hey, how do I? What What are my sources of protein? What are uh, What are my sources of B twelve? How do I? What am I missing, or what do I need to be thinking about as I've shifted my diet from uh, a, a diet that's familiar to most? Right. Uh, so those are things that we hit. And then the the community aspect, we have uh, um, we have community forums where people can ask questions, connect, share recipes, ask about products. Um, ask about like, Hey, I'm like struggling with this piece. Like, how do I, um, I, I, I feel like I just switched and I feel tired. What should I do? Mm-hmm. There's an answer for that there. Um, that's the part that's powerful. The most exciting thing for me is this. When you're a vegan in a small town in the middle of America, you feel really, really, really isolated. Chances are your friends and family are not vegan. Chances are you don't know another vegan. I think that's where we come in and we give you that uh, community, that online community to connect with. And the best part of that is you're like, oh, shoot, here's another person who just lives 10 miles down from me. Now you just made a friend mm-hmm. online through Milk Guys that is going to enter your real life. It's going to be your support system every time you want to go do something vegan. That is the power of, that, of what we're doing. 
Interesting. So do you have some sort of a social element to your, for people who are signed into your website? Uh, is that something you're working on? I could almost see if that all doesn't exist, well, it should exist. Uh, and secondly, um, not that that would become the key feature, but it could be a nice add-on to have for this reason you just outlined. First, let you answer that before I go to my next question. Yeah, no worries. Um, we, we have things in the work, okay. right? Like we, we think about this as a, we don't just think of this as a transactional place, which is how grocery stores have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think of this as like a holistic experience for someone who cares about uh, living life a certain way. Yeah. Okay. That's perfect. And uh, so I definitely like the way you're thinking about this. And I, I think the next layer on is, and you've you've sort of mentioned it, and I don't know to what extent it's a focus, but it, it almost seems obvious as the amount of um, of products and the the fact that you have 100 vegan cheeses is, is amazing and also scary because like, mm-hmm. you w- wouldn't know which one to try. So then it becomes really important to have uh, good quality user reviews uh, it also becomes more and more important for Milk Guys itself to then become the platform that is um, also informing consumers about what products are available. So you know where I'm heading with this. You, I think you need a content layer if you don't already have one that is, it kind of is needed as you are, especially because you are, you not only have this selection, you also need to help people with discovery. It is easier, but as as more and more brands come about, again, you have a problem of, of too much choice, which is the worst part about a grocery experience in America these days. It's like, mm-hmm. I know it's a cliche, but go down the cereal aisle. You kind of don't know what to buy. Uh, luckily, I don't buy cereal, so it's okay for me. But uh, So I think content could play a key role in the future, if not already, to be able to inform. So almost like for the brands to have your platform as being a content marketing extension uh, beyond their own Instagram pages and others. And I think a lot of, um, so, and I'm going to say one more thing and I'll, I'll let you respond yeah. to this because I, I think that's, that's in some ways the, the next step in what's happening now with, uh, with, with digital media in the CPG space is you see each of these brands trying really hard to build audiences um, but again, as you said right in the beginning, what they're really good at and what they should be really good at is is um, quality of their products and being really good at telling their story and building a brand. Everything in between from distribution to storytelling to, to content marketing is not their strength. And they sh- ideally, unless they're gigantic and have a lot of money to spend, should not be doing that in-house. Um, neither should they be sending that to an agency because that'll be probably more expensive. So... Yeah, if you could double down, have an e-commerce platform that's also helping you with that, that's um, that's now showcasing your products and how to use them. I, I think that's the next phase of when, yeah, of, of influencer marketing in some ways. Um, and, and I think that's the direction, if you're not already thinking of going in, I would I would recommend is the direction. <laughs> no, I, 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 I love the ideas. Um, you know, as you were saying some of these things, I got reminded of the story that's almost always front and center in my mind. Uh, one of our team members, uh, Alexia, she also worked with us at Instacart. Uh, this is like an ex-Instacart team. <laughs> uh, and uh, after leaving Instacart, I went and started a brand, and she also went and started a brand. Uh, and I almost believed that her brand was 100x better than mine. She was making an ice cream that only had five simple ingredients. 
and it was plant-based and it was extremely healthy. A product like that, when it lives on the grocery shelves, is not able to tell the complete story of why that product is so incredible and how much thought went into making sure that this is a product that kids can eat, people can eat, and not feel like they're overdosing on sugar, right? As five simple ingredients, why are these ingredients important? What happens when other ice cream companies are not doing that? All of this information that she could have used to communicate to the consumer is just not available in a grocery aisle, right? That's where we come in. We want to let the brands tell their story better on our platform. Let Brands have so much creativity in terms of how their product can be used. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're sitting all day in this office surrounded by your product and, and you got to get creative with how you're going to use your cheese and mix it with onions or mushrooms or make a pasta out of it, whatever you want to do. And brands have all of this, but they cannot share that with the consumer in a grocery aisle. Yeah. And that's where that power of content, as you're saying, comes in is like, let that brand share that story. Let them inspire people to eat their product in different ways, in the ways that like you couldn't even have imagined. So I, I definitely am in agreement with you that content's going to be a strong part of what we do. Yeah. And so, you know, I know it's been very positive and, and optimistic so far, but I can't imagine uh, what the realities of running an operation like this really is like. I've only got a slight glimpse of it today. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and, and this is, again, one of those things that makes e-commerce really scary is the 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 whole warehousing and fulfillment it, it is a it can become a logistical nightmare and the more successful you become the, the bigger that the longer that nightmare drags on in some ways um what are your biggest challenges right now as you sort of um as you continue to grow and obviously you're very passionate about making this work um but at the same time, you've got to be realistic about some of these realities, which is this is not an easy business to be in. And, and yeah, e-commerce is traditionally hard. Yeah. Um, we, we, we think of ourselves as um, three different businesses. One of them is a consumer-facing business. And, and you know, the, you were very right about, like, just got to have an amazing experience and have co- amazing customer service. Uh, we feel pretty good about that. Um, the second part of our business is... Uh, working with brands, making sure we give them the the best experience possible. We were able to work with as many brands as we can. Um, that and the third part of our business, which is we're a logistics business, mm-hmm. right? Uh, those two businesses are going through growing pains. Um, we're growing faster than we anticipated. Um, so we're, we're, we're trying to play catch up. We're not able to bring in as many brands as we want. Uh, we're, we're getting so many orders that we keep running out of stock on things. Mm. Um, so, so for us, I think the, the, the hardest thing right now is to, uh, make sure that our quality of service, uh, remains spectacular. Uh, that's something we're very committed to as we grow. And the same as like food companies have these manufacturing challenges, (laughs) we're going to have these logistics challenges, um, combined with these food companies having these manufacturing Mm -hmm. challenges. Right. So, uh, so, so for us, it's, uh, it, it, it tends to be, the challenges tend to be on the operation side of things, but, but we're fortunate we're, uh, we're, we're using every inch of space in this, in, in this warehouse. Uh, but we're about to go into a bigger warehouse that's going to help us. Uh, and then at some point we're going to have an East coast distribution as well. And that's going to, um, that's going to definitely make things more complex. So, yeah. 
Wow, this has grown fast because I know when you first when we first chatted, you were only doing San Francisco. That's correct. And that was probably a year ago, a little over a that, year ago. That was uh, less than a year ago. Less I than think, a year I ago. think we talked uh, maybe eight to nine months ago. Wow. Okay. And then next thing I hear, you're national. We talked again, and um, and now it seems like you're outgrowing this space, and 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 it's a it's a good problem to have. Um, still a problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, what? Obviously, that's that's great, and it's a sign that that you're doing the right thing. But again, if you don't strike the right balance, same challenge that brands yeah. are facing, you could kill your business in some ways because customers will be like, um, yeah, this is great that the milk guys exist, except none of my products I want are available, right? Or the the, the experience is shitty from a consumer stand, a yeah. customer standpoint. Um, and that's where I think my um, uh, what do you call like out of school four year boot camp at Amazon. Mm. that Amazon just drilled in me customer obsession. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so something we're always able to bring back um, for ourselves is like, how do we make sure that we're always giving the consumer the best experience? And that's what drives us and everything else comes, right? Like we, um, in the future, you're not going to see people say, hey, I want less sustainable options or I want less healthier options. Um so we know that the business we're in is just about to be phenomenal, right? Our growth is coming to us organically. Um, but what people will say is, I want the highest quality of service. And for us, that's like, that's the part we care about. As long as we keep delighting consumers with our experience, everything else is just going to work out perfectly. Yeah. And so once you do, obviously, we'll find ways to tackle some of these challenges in the next few months. What's your ideal scenario in the next... Um uh, you know, where do you see this business? I don't want to look too far ahead yet. Let's just see the next two to three years. Um, if things continue to grow at the pace that they are growing right now, like what, what's your ideal scenario in the next few years? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, um, in the next two to three years, I think we see ourselves first doing a lot more of what we're doing right now, which is just keep up with the the, the growth that's been sitting there and helping these brands. Um Towards the end of these uh, the, this time frame, I think two of the things that we'll be able to start looking into is one of them is what we talked about, like content and community for the consumer. Like what other value ads can we double down on? Because for us, it continues to be about making life simple for people. Uh, so so that, that'd be something that we'll start exploring. And then on the brand side of things, like how do we get brands to get more creative with the food? How do we get them the confidence to be like, let's try limited edition. Let's try all these other things that they wouldn't otherwise uh, have a partner in a retailer to help them with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so we want to be that partner to them as well. Uh, and that's, I think, where we will be in a few years. Great. And I didn't ask this earlier, but I meant to. Um, so for brands who do decide to work with you, if they are already doing e-commerce, do they now make Milk Guys their exclusive e-commerce distribution or do they... Con- or they, they they still continue doing it on their own if they choose to. Um, if if you're a brand and you end up working with us, I think it becomes very clear to you that you want us to run your e-commerce. <laughs> um, the biggest example I could use of that is uh, uh, Miyoko's. Oh. Uh, we, we're partnered with Miyoko's. We were partnered with Beyond. We're partnered with Just. Um, but but you know Miyoko's used to Miyoko started off as an online e-commerce business, and uh, and, and you know they're they really wanted to continue offering e-commerce even though they've had such wonderful success in uh, in retail uh, because they wanted to make sure that they were supporting their early customers who supported them. Um, and, and, you know, they 
they ended up working with us and they're like, this is phenomenal. So you can, you can go to their website uh, and it will direct e-commerce to us. It will say like, hey, we've partnered with Milk Guys officially. So they shut down their e-commerce because e-commerce is really hard, especially mm -hmm. when it comes to food, mm -hmm. right? Like we have customer service available seven days a week. We have like, we have economies of scale that a brand individually won't. As a consumer, you find all of this selection, like you, you come for the vegan cheese, but you also get the crackers and you also maybe get like some vegan prosciutto, like all of these things that were just not possible. Like the experience is just so much better that you wouldn't want to waste the opportunity um, of sending someone down your e-commerce funnel. Mm. It's just the funnel we have is just so much better for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, and you don't have any, so from a customer or consumer standpoint, you're not a membership platform. So you can sign up today and order whatever you want and you not can, order again if you choose not to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that doesn't obviously happen. People come to us, <laughs> they order and they love it and they come back. Uh, we do, uh, we, we do offer something um, called Milk Unlimited, which is, which is the idea of it being like, there's some customers who really, really are just shopping with us all the time. Mm. Uh, we want to make sure um, shipping isn't too much of a barrier for them. So, so we offer that program. Great. And so before I ask you my last question, I do want to give you a chance to say for someone listening who before this either didn't know Milk Guys at all or didn't know enough about it. And, and if it's still listening, obviously have been, have found something useful in this conversation. Um, so talking to a brand or an end cons uh, consumer or there's someone working at a brand who's also a potential customer, uh, what would you like to tell them? Um, you can tackle the brand separately because I know right now you're, you have a wait list, as you mentioned, so that, mm -hmm. that must be an issue. Uh, but from a customer standpoint, you can address them separately. What would you like them to learn or to know right now? Um, like what message would you like to send out to them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, for the for the brands, uh, I have tremendous amount of respect for anyone working in food. It is incredibly hard, and and all I can say is focus on building your relationship with the consumer. Milk Guys exists to help with distribution, and if it's not us, find someone else, go online, but just really focus on quality of food and quality of relationship with your consumer, and I think everything else will take care of itself. Um, for consumers, uh, you know, this, this is a, th this is a very uh, strong message that resonates with me. I haven't necessarily shared this with a lot of people, so we'll, we'll test it out here. Um, but, but something that we found in our early days was every consumer, uh, who was vegan or plant-based or even just a flexitarian wanted more people to adopt a more mindful, uh, diet. We call it. We don't call it plant-based here. We call it planet-based. Um, and and one of the one of the conversations we had with the consumer was very simple. Price and selection, the variety of food is what's going to drive adoption of plant-based foods. In order to have those two get better, the consumer has a lot of control. If every consumer chose to buy from milk guys it would give us so much leverage and so much so much wind and momentum behind us that we can launch more and more brands and we can reduce price which will really just attract more people to eat this and i'll give you a real world example of that i love tikka masala like 70 percent of my blood veins probably just has tikka masala <laughs> 
And, and that was one of the hardest things for me to give up. If you go to a grocery store, there's no vegan tikka masala sauce available. However, if every person who wanted that sauce shopped on Milk Guys, we could go to a food maker, we could go to a brand and say, hey, why don't you create this? We have some people who want this. Mm-hmm. And now we've added the selection that otherwise just wouldn't have existed. And to me, that's the most powerful thing. So my message to consumers is, if you want that, whatever your version of vegan tikka masala is, you have to be on Milk Guys. You have to work together in unison with other consumers to get the product that you want. And we'll do our jo- our part to work with the brands and get you that. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's just taking their intentions and their desires and what they truly want and being able to convert that into data and insights that you can then translate into actual intelligence for brands um, for for categories that they or flavors that they can then experiment with. So it's it's creating this amazing loop and and you know self a self sustaining ecosystem. Um, and the more consumers want, the better the brands become, and and we all, you know, succeed and grow in the end. So, yeah. you've you've almost teed it up too perfectly for my final question. But um, I close out every episode with this question. It's it's fairly straightforward, <laughs> but yet looking far far ahead. Um, most of us work in this space because we're we're driven by sustainability or the the whether it's environmental sustainability or the idea that we need to find a better way to feed the world. Um, the reality is we're going to be 10 billion people by the year 2050 and, and business as usual is just not going to get us to a point where we're going to have a healthy, thriving human population if you continue that way. So we, which is why you do the work that you're doing and, and all the companies that have I've featured on this podcast and many more who are featured on Milk Guys uh, are all aiming to play that small part to to transition our food system away from this, this crazy, destructive industrial farming animal agriculture system we have to something that's that's more sustainable and and yes we we all need to do better jobs with packaging and um and our supply chains and uh, and and we have a long way to go but the first step is for people to start to shift towards plant-based and of course that's what milk guys exists for so if you're successful and this business continues to grow and by virtue of you being successful or your brands are going to be successful or by virtue of them being successful, you're hopefully going to be successful. Uh, and we are able to, 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 to course correct and, and avert this crisis that's, that's looming. And I think we are the, this is the challenge and the opportunity. We are probably the last generation that has a chance of, of actually tackling this problem. And if you get it right and we all succeed, um, what's your vision for the food system in the year 2050? That's awesome. I, I, I can't um I can't claim to uh, be smart enough to, to 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 answer that question, so I will I will take a stab. Um I I think the vision is very uh, in my head at least is is very simple. Um eventually consumers get food that's personalized to them. Right? I'm I'm a very like consumer minded person. I don't think I understand a whole lot about the uh, the supply chain, if you may, I'm still, I'm, I'm yet, I'm learning still. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think everything will work backwards from that. And what I mean by that is if we could get a centralized system, whether that's milk guys or some something else that understands consumer needs, knows where the consumers are 
And from there starts working backwards towards how food is manufactured and builds the best supply chain possible for that. I think that's going to be one of the one of the bigger things that will happen. Um, so to to kind of rephrase, like personalized selection is a big one, um, and then the other is the you know whoever whoever is able to work with the customer there will work backwards. Um, the second, which I think is uh, maybe maybe more obvious given given your audience, is um, technology is the only way that we're going to be able to scale up our needs, right? Like that, whether that's uh, cultured me, flora based, um, vertical farming, like mm-hmm. things that I don't even know exist or, uh, are being worked on. I, I think those are the ways that it's going to be like, we just need to improve our output. Um, we already know this animals are not a great way of, uh, translating energy into something consumable by humans. Like, so, so we're just going to keep making that engine more effective. Mm-hmm. And we'll have uh, milk guys delivering what these new new products and end products will be in that's the, the end. That's the hope. So, um, Gaurav, I'm glad you took on the challenge that I was uh, afraid to or unqualified to, most likely, or both, uh, and have uh, launched milk guys and are, and are growing it at the pace that you are. I think the timing couldn't have been better for you. Um, and I think um, while it's it's going to be an interesting and challenging ride at times, because that is the nature of growing anything, uh, I, I think I think you're 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 the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, and that's always a recipe for success. So I, I wish you the best, and I'm rooting for the success of Milk Guys, and, and I hope everyone listening to this um, finds out how they can get involved or tries milk guys if they haven't already done that thank you you've been listening to eat for the planet with nil zacharias if you enjoyed this conversation and would like to show your support please subscribe to the show and leave a review on apple podcasts to learn more about how eat for the planet can help your brand or organization develop the right strategy implement scalable operations and grow responsibly, visit EFTP.co. That's EFTP.co. Let's rise up to the challenge of transforming our food system. Thank you for listening. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com